We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app welcome in brian mazarowski with you here on wben lots to get to today thanks for hanging out with me on a tuesday um, and uh, there is lots of this whole Twitter news. I love it. I love it. Um, and we'll uh, get to that in just a moment. But first, uh, you know, the, the stadium back and forth, it keeps going on this uh, poll. The governor was asked about it yesterday. The poll that shows most New Yorkers do not approve of the deal to give $600 million in some way, shape or form. For the construction of the Buffalo Bills new stadium. Not all that surprising. Uh, Over 60% of New Yorkers disagree with that idea. And the governor was asked about yesterday. She was actually in town in Buffalo, Governor Kathy Hochul. And she was asked about those poll numbers when it comes to the new Bills stadium. I thought the answers were pretty interesting. If you tested by poll, and I don't think this is happening, you know, the billions of dollars we're putting in Penn Station or the east side access tunnels or ways to, you know, invest in products elsewhere. I would think if we poll test all of them, except for the immediate beneficiaries in that neighborhood or that community or patrons or fans, the answer is probably going to be the same. This is what I deal with as governor. I have a large state with a lot of different interests, and I know that this is important for the identity of Western New York. I will stand by that. Just as I said when I was on Broadway, I said Broadway is to New York City, Buffalo Bills are to West New York. It's part of our identity. I think it's an interesting analysis. You know, in the same way that people uh, love to say, well, you just take the Bills away, nothing will happen. The, the town will be the same. I mean, I could say the same thing about Broadway. They just take all the theaters off of Broadway. What's it? New York City's still going to be there. You still have all the big buildings and shops and everything like that. I mean, what's, uh, what's the big difference? I, I, it's an interesting analogy the governor was making there uh, yesterday. And, you know, she went on to uh, talk a little bit more about that, uh, what she said. When you're asking about an individual issue, as this poll was with the Bill Stadium, you're going to get a certain response. If you ask that statewide about almost any amount of funding, she feels the same thing would happen. People can disagree with that, but also we did not put on a poll. Do people agree with billions of dollars spent on transportation on Long Island or money we're investing in the North Country to make the North Country be ready for the World University Games or investment in other facilities elsewhere? So this was a case where it was polled. People tend to like what's in their area, not what's outside their area, but I feel it was a good deal for the taxpayers. We worked hard to get that accomplished, and uh, as a result, the Buffalo Bills will be here and 10,000 jobs, which are critically important to this region. 
So, again, you know, when you break it down issue by issue on a statewide basis and you actually put the number, you make people aware of a dollar amount that goes toward a specific project, her argument is that's going to be unpopular statewide no matter what the project is. And I kind of think she has a point right there. I think it is a it is a fair point to make. And it's something I've been saying about the stadium for, what, almost a year right now, where there's so much attention being placed on this one issue because the NFL is so big, because everybody knows the Buffalo Bills, which, by the way, might actually prove why it would be a good idea to keep them here. But if this amount of scrutiny was placed on any other project, I... I feel like the reaction would be the same. You know, one of the common, uh, the governor was here, by the way, to tout some of the local benefits of the budget. You know, where some of this enormous amount of money is uh, being spent locally. One of the big arguments is always, well, that money would be better, uh, you know, in education. Well, she pointed out that the enacted school budget increases school aid this is not the total school budget for western new york but increases aid to schools in just the western new york region by 169.2 million dollars this year alone that's 169.2 million dollars more to schools in this region than they had last year and somehow they were able to do this while still including 600 million dollars for a new football stadium. The budget also includes $37 million for the Broadway market. That was one of the things she pointed out yesterday. $37 million for the Broadway market. Now, 37 and 600 there's a big difference there. But that's a lot of money for, I mean, what's going to happen? We'll see if this time next year, uh, if the $37 million helped turn the Broadway market into a year-round destination. I have my guess. But we'll see what happens. The budget also includes, this is something we just talked about last week, and me and Joe were in here talking about the Metro Rail. The budget includes $20 million for the fourth year of a $100 million five-year. So we're already on year four of this $100 million capital program to rehabilitate the NFTA's light rail system. Now, what does that mean? Well, it was described yesterday by the governor as being used, quote, to continue progress toward the design of light rail expansion to Amherst. So let that sink in for a second. This is $20 million this year. Uh, For a total so far of $80 million, there's also going to be another $20 million next year to go toward the expansion of the Metro Rail here in western New York. The governor said this year's budget would be to continue progress toward the design of the expansion. So we're continuing progress toward the design The $60 million that was given in previous years apparently wasn't enough to reach a design for the expansion. So $20 million this year just for 
continuing to design the light rail expansion to Amherst. Whoever this artist is doing the renderings, they're going to make more money than Picasso, Dali, Rembrandt combined by the state of New York just for continuing the design process. I thought we had an idea of what's going on. And, you know, we were talking about me and Joe in here last week of, all right, is it a good idea? I was arguing, I don't think it is. Joe thought it was a good idea, but we both kind of thought that in the end it probably is never going to happen. And in that idea, we're already spending over $100 million on it. But there's not a peep. I mean, that wasn't in the poll. I mean, no, no statewide uh, uh, you know, survey is being done. And statewide, by the way, just over 800 people. Across it. I mean, that's what we're basing this on, the opinion of 800 people. But nothing was said about this Metro Rail budget that, again, look, $20 million this year is not $600 million, but $100 million is getting close. And now we're on a five-year program that at the end of $100 million in five years, where are we going to stand on expansion of the Metro Rail? Again, I have a guess where we stand this time next year and two years from now. It's... The same as my guess for the Broadway market. I don't think that much is going to happen. And again, she pointed out in the budget up to a billion dollars to restore green space surrounding the Kensington Expressway. Now, that's a big chunk of change, up to a billion dollars. And no survey on that. The green space will be nice, though. I'm sure that'll be a big driver of economic activity. But listen, this is not to say, uh, you know, pro or against any of these items that we just uh, said. But it does illustrate the point, and I think the governor made that point yesterday, that you can take any number of things or, you know, maybe literally anything from this state budget, throw it out to people and say thumbs up or thumbs down, and on a statewide basis, most people would say, do we really need that? Or second question. Now, the good argument on that would be, um, hey, maybe we should look at this whole thing entirely and say, are we spending too much money? Maybe it would be better served to you know, keep it in the pockets of the people who earned it and see what happens that way. Now, there's, you know, maybe we're getting somewhere with the argument, but... Picking and choosing certain things around while we just ignore everything else. I was just never a fan of that. The governor kind of touching a little bit on that yesterday. And in talking about the budget, illustrated how we really don't hear. I mean, come on. We're almost $100 million into designing the light rail expansion to Amherst. And where's that? At the end of $600 million, I at least know there will be a stadium standing there that people will go into. At the end of the Broadway market investment, I'm not so sure. But, you know, again, apples and oranges when comparing a lot of this stuff. Uh, but that was the governor's visit yesterday. Happened uh, just after we got off the air. Um, and the big story that everybody is talking about 
Elon Musk in Twitter. And by everybody, I mean everybody who has a camera pointed on them, a microphone in front of them, or a blog to post. Because certainly by everybody's talking about, I don't mean you and me and uh, regular ordinary people. Because I think that regular, ordinary people don't really care. Uh, One person has too much power. That's the argument being made by a lot of people as to why Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter is not a good thing. Uh, Musk is uh, taking over Twitter. Uh, It would appear for idealistic reasons. I would think he eventually wants to make some money off of it. And he's proven he can do that. Uh, But he's talked a lot about the idealistic reasons why he's uh, taking over Twitter. He has panned the site's content moderation policy, saying they're too restrict. He's against uh, people's ability to speak freely without being censored. He wants to defeat the spam bots that are on Twitter. His idea is authenticating all humans, as he says. That's something only Elon Musk can say, authenticating all humans, a phrase that nobody would say normally except him because he doesn't talk like a normal person um but i you know generally what that's a pretty good idea would twitter be a better place if everybody had to show that they were a real person and attach their name to it i think it might be he also talked about his interest in making Twitter's algorithm open source. What does that mean? Well, this is the quote from Musk. Uh, one of the things I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm, make any changes to people's tweets if they're emphasized or de-emphasized. That action should be made apparent so that anyone could see the action was taken. So there's no behind-the-scenes manipulation. Anyone will be able to see what tweets are emphasized on the platform, appearing in front of a bunch of people, what tweets are de-emphasized on the platform. You know, all of this is sounding not like a bad idea. All right, make sure that the people posting are real people. Show people, we're, we're not necessarily going to end the curation of Twitter We're not necessarily going to put an end to emphasizing or de-emphasizing certain posts, but we will let you see how that's decided and what posts in particular are being favored or hidden. And free speech. We're going to hold off on censorship. What does that mean? He's unclear. But let's assume that he means the traditional version of it, that unless it is a uh, direct threat of harm or, or something like that, unless it is not speech that's protected under the First Amendment, you're able to post it on what Musk says is a open forum, a town hall of sorts. And what has been the reaction of people on Twitter to All of these reforms, so to speak. Well, apparently it's the worst thing in the world. (laughs) I would, it is 
totally believable and unbelievable at the same time. Uh, CNN's Brian Stelter. CNN, they know something about uh, really thriving uh, you know, digital media platforms. He, uh, yesterday on CNN's cable show, uh, because the online one doesn't exist anymore, uh, he said <laughs> this on Elon Musk buying Twitter. If you get invited to something where there are no rules, where there's total freedom for everybody, do you actually want to go to that party or are you just going to decide to stay home? I don't know, what parties is this guy going to? He's throwing, uh, why would anybody want the freedom to do what they want? It is amazing how Elon Musk has, you know, repeatedly everybody is saying, well, what is going to happen? It's anybody's guess. No one really knows for sure. I mean, if you go by his word, he's repeatedly stated that his goal is guaranteeing uh, freedom of dissent, of disagreeing viewpoints. He says it's essential to a functioning democracy. Yet, I'm reading here time and time again from the New York Times or Axios or the Washington Post that unlimited freedom to speak is somehow a crazy, radical position that we should all be really afraid. Here's a Christine Emba from the Washington Post who said, quote, what we have here is a perfect example of peak billionaire. The ability of one fantastically rich person to, without accountability, make decisions with potentially life-changing ramifications for many, many people. Does Twitter have a life-changing ramification for you or anybody you know? Because if it does, maybe it's time to recalculate what's going on in your life. And is freedom of speech really that scary? Elon Musk and Twitter. You can join in on the conversation. A lot of you already texting in. 803-0930. Give me a text or a call. And we'll be back. How am I looking at this? I think this is going to be the example um, that we haven't had since maybe the 2016 election. It is the perfect example of how disconnected the media is from everyday people, a.k.a. the people that the press and the media are supposed to serve. I think it's a glaring example today. 803-0930 to join me, Beamaz and Beamer. I'll be back here on WBEN. All right, back here on Beamaz and Beamer, Brian Mazarowski with you for the next half hour or so. And uh, we'll hear a little bit from uh, Joe Beamer as well this half hour. He's in for David Bellavia. We are talking about the... A Twitter takeover from Elon Musk, who is spending a whole lot of money, almost $45 billion to take over Twitter. And there is a certain segment of people who are losing their minds. And I said before the break, I think this will be a great illustrator of ways that the press and media are not in touch with the people uh, they're supposed to be communicating to, with average, ordinary uh, Americans. Because this is going to be the most talked-about story in media for a while now. And that's because nobody uses Twitter like the media. 
every single person in media is what I would call a heavy user of Twitter. They're, they're not just on Twitter. They're using it all the time. They're using it for their jobs. They're using it for every, I mean, they are constantly scrolling through Twitter in a way that most of America isn't. Even if you are a Twitter user, you're not using it to the extent that people in the media are. And then there's the, you know, usage within, right? Uh, oh, what's this going to mean for me? I, I don't know. I, I think that this comes down to an overinflation of the impact Twitter has. I And I think everybody who's on Twitter is to some degree guilty of this at times, but I think this really shows it in the gap between media and just regular, ordinary people. There's a certain form of arrogance to think, right, that Twitter conversations have more of an impact on reality than conversations that happen at a bingo hall or a living room or after church on Sunday or anywhere you're gathering with people. Elon Musk himself is doing it a little bit. He refers to Twitter as the de facto town square now. Um, and, you know, he's inflating it a little bit to make Twitter seem, which it seems in the minds of a lot of people, to have replaced real-life conversations that matter. Although, if I just paid over $40 billion for something, I'd want to talk up its value, too, just personally speaking. So I can't really blame him too much for that. But I do think people overinflate the impact Twitter. Well, I don't think it. I know it. Because I'll give you some examples. Here's a salon writer, Matthew Rosa, who said, if Elon Musk allows Trump back on Twitter, it will be a death blow to the free world. A death blow to the free world. I, that's unbelievable. I mean, if one person or one tweet was really that dangerous... I mean, I don't think we'd be standing anymore. And by the way, this is a huge thing that's talked about. It's the first question that I've heard asked in almost every one of these. Will he allow Trump back on? Who cares? Right? I mean, what difference does it make if the former president is on Twitter or not? The people who are so scared of this act like Donald Trump can't say something and get it amplified without Twitter. Guess what? He can He's a former president of the United States. And if people are seeking out what he says, they'll find it, whether he's on Twitter or not. If he's back on Twitter, I don't see it making any sort of impact other than the people who can't get enough of that little blue bird on their phones stressing over yet another little thing. But I mean, it's not just him. It's all over the place. This is uh, from, uh, where was this? I uh, believe, let's see, I'm not sure what, uh, oh, this is The Guardian. Elon Musk's vision for the internet is dangerous nonsense. Musk has long advocated a libertarian vision of an uncontrolled internet. That's also the dream of every dictator, strongman, and demagogue. Hang on a second. That person just told me the opposite of what's always been true, like it's fact. Uh that an uncontrolled internet is the dream of every dictator? No. That's the opposite of what's true. The, what, what have we always been told? throughout? What, what does China look like? Every dictator in history, what's the first thing they do? They want to control the message in the most strict way possible. 
not have uncontrolled access for every single person who wants to speak out against that dictator to run free. No, I, Robert Reich uh, out in um, The Guardian, he, he just said something that's not true and made it sound like it is, like it's the worst thing in the world. Um, Twitter users, by the way, who want to quit over its new ownership uh, won't have many places to go. It would prevent uh, provide a huge dilemma of people who want to say that they're leaving Twitter because they don't like Elon Musk and uh, they won't have anywhere to tweet about it. So what would be the point if you can't brag about how you left Twitter in the first place? Uh, Joe Beamer is joining me. Are you talking about this at all, Joe? Oh, yeah, we'll be talking. uh, We started this conversation yesterday, definitely continuing it today. Um, You actually have some people who have already deactivated their account. Uh, But, Brian, I I agree with you. I think most people will stay because, like you said, if you're off Twitter, how are you going to tell people how much you hate Twitter? (laughs) You you would have almost no option. You would have almost no option. And I just don't understand where the, you know, I was running through this a little bit before the break, Joe. Uh, What Elon Musk is planning to do with Twitter. He wants to make the back end open source so that anyone would be able to see what tweets are emphasized or de-emphasized on the platform. That's transparency. That seems like a good thing. He has a goal of, and I'm not saying these things are necessarily going to happen, but these are the stated goals to uh, get rid of bots and fake accounts yep. on Twitter to make sure people are authenticated. I think that would result in more, um, you, you know, free uh, uh, reign for people to express themselves the way that they would in person, as opposed to hiding behind a whole bunch of bots. And then also on content moderation. He believes that people are being too harshly censored, that there is too restrictive an approach on free speech on the platform. And Joe, I, you know, we both get dinged so much here on the station for uh, being young whippersnappers, and uh, you just don't remember. But I am old enough to remember a time when free speech generally was considered a good thing yeah. by pretty much everybody. Yeah, it, it was a nonpartisan thing. Right. It wasn't one side of the political aisle. Um, free speech is free speech. And, you know, Brian, I made the point yesterday because what's the number one thing you're hearing? Oh, my gosh, the misinformation. Here's here's where I stand on misinformation. Um, if you're dumb enough, that's your problem. If you believe a story, if you're not going to check sources, if you're not going to if you believe a story just because it leans to your political uh, bias, well, that's on you. I don't I don't particularly think that's on the platform uh, to tell you that's misinformation. You know, I always say I run stories on four websites, Brian, and if all four are reporting it the same way, it's probably true. The Washington Post, Fox News, the New York Post, and the New York Times. If those four, So you only believe the lamestream media is what you're saying? Well, no, those are two two different biases, right? Mostly people think Fox News and New York Post lean to the right. The Times and the Washington Post lean to the left. If the four of them are reporting the same story, there's a good chance that story is accurate. See, I, um, you know, generally, in a sense, agree with what you're saying, although I take a a little bit more of a softer approach to it. I I don't think you're an idiot if you believe something that you see online that, you you know, there's things all the time that I... I mean, you know, we do ridiculous stories here every morning, Joe. That's right. That I have to, you know, double check. Sometimes I hold back on. Um, I, I just think it is, it, 
it's not whether or not a person's smart enough or not. It's not anything like that. It's not, oh, you if you're believing the misinformation, well, you're just an idiot and I don't have to worry about you. It is, though, a sense of responsibility lost that I think collectively people have. Um, the Internet now is much more like the inside of a bar than it is Walter Cronkite on the evening news. <laughs> yes. But we want to try and treat it as if it's more Cronkite than Coles. Uh, because what you're doing on the Internet is just taking the chatter of a lot of different people, more and more so they're fake people, something Elon Musk talked about. But it, it, you're taking the chatter... And then there's a certain sense of responsibility on yourself to make of it what you will, to not believe everything that you hear necessarily, judging by the person that says it. And we all know people who are more trustworthy than others. There are certain people who say something to me, and I'm going to say, I don't believe you. Let me look that up three times before I <laughs> agree. And there are certain people who I talk to who I will take them at their word because you judge their character. Uh, there was a sense, you know, back in the day, before my time, of the news that you were just kind of given what happened and then left. To make your own interpretation. Yes. And, and that's what would happen in these spaces and maybe that's what we're going back to but you know so much of it is you're just being given an interpretation of what's going on now in every this is mostly a cable news problem but it's very much an online problem too is that everything you're you are given is an interpretation of the news whether that's blatantly obvious with some of the talking heads and the names that people know, your Carlson, Maddow, uh, you know, uh, whoever it might be, or whether it's through kind of subtle language that's different in a place like the New York Times or the Washington Post that didn't really appear 30 years ago in articles in the same paper. You're given more of an interpretation. I mean, that is the main problem. The main problem isn't some random Twitter account that's telling a bunch of BS to people. <laughs> I mean, the main problem is there's a lack of trust in major institutions. Yep. And major institutions complaining about random Twitter accounts are just a smokescreen <laughs> for the fact that nobody trusts them anymore and they don't want to deal with their own problem. So they're saying that it's somebody else's problem. It's not somebody else's problem. It is part of the disconnect. This is not how most people use Twitter. Most people do not go on the blue app on their uh, first, right? Most people don't have the blue app on their phone, the, yes. the Twitter app. Most people aren't on it every day. Uh, but the, those who are, you're not going on it looking at whoever you might follow, which Joe can very wildly, uh, I mean, you could follow a politician. Yep. You could follow Jack Eichel. I could follow you. <laughs> I could follow CNN. I could follow, I mean, I could follow some random person living in Taiwan. I, you there know, you anybody. And it's going to differ, but I'm guessing that most people don't open that up and look at the first things that uh, they read 
and say, wow, well, this is the fact of the day, like how people used to open. I mean, because that's how it's being talked about, right? That me opening up the Twitter app is akin to somebody sitting down with their morning coffee and flipping through the pages of the New York Times in 1956. Right. It's not the same thing. And people are generally smart enough to know the difference. Yes, yes. And I, I, what I meant by idiot, Brian, is if you're just going to take, as you said, what you get now is an interpretation of the news, right? That's true on Twitter. That's true on a lot of cable news uh, networks. So I, I do think it is, if you want the real story, and a lot of people don't, if you want the real story, you'll take the responsibility to check it up through a few sources before saying that, it, it, that it's true. That, that was the point I was making. Sorry for using such harsh language. I, I I just do not understand for the life of me. I mean, how Elon Musk has been. I mean, what, NPR was criticizing Elon Musk. They said he is, uh, <laughs> how are they describing him? I had it right here. That he's an imperialist <laughs> because he wants to go to Mars. I mean, that's he is wow. like the modern-day Christopher Columbus, according to... <laughs> national public radio because he thinks it would be nice to go to Mars someday. Uh, here, out of the horse's mouth less than a day ago, Elon Musk on Twitter. I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that's what free speech means. He's right. And I don't understand the fear or outrage around this at all. No. I, I can't for the life of me see where people are so whipped up over one person who, and I guess you have to take him at his word, right? I mean, at the end of the day, but who has been pretty consistent saying, I want to open it up more and just let people speak their minds. Now, the only way I can think of this is that the majority of people who use Twitter a lot and the majority of, you know, talking heads that we've seen on TV in the last 24 hours talking about this story really believe that most of humanity is incapable of thinking in the way that they deem correct. Yeah. Because that would be the only way that they're terrified of independent thinking. This is an example. You might think it's off the mark, but I think it falls right in. If you were to uh, listen to a lot of the news coverage, I mean, I you know was reading to you some of them in here. I mean, how we're going to let untethered access to Twitter. It's going to be the end of civilization as we know it, according to uh, people who write for some of your favorite high-profile, by the way, publications. Well, what about this way of looking at things? People, generally speaking, are rather intelligent yes. and good-natured. How do I know that? Well, go into Wegmans or now Tops, and you know what people can do now, Joe? You can walk around the store uh, with your shopping bags open, take bananas, broccoli, cereal, what, a can of soup, whatever it is you're buying, yeah. scan it with your phone, put it right in your cart, and basically walk out the door. Love it. And you're taking that on yourself to you know, do that. I mean, Do you know how easy it would be? To just not scan things and oh, walk yeah. out the door. Oh, yeah. But somehow, these big companies who pay attention a lot to making profit yep. and their margin of loss right. 
found out that in general, people are good. Yeah. And if we just let people take what they want and I mean, it's the closest you can come to using the honor system to pay for something. If we let people do that, guess what? The amount of people who actually steal stuff is going to be very small. Right. And if it was any higher, if there was a high percentage of people stealing, they would know that in their inventory, and those apps wouldn't be around anymore. I right. Mean, it wouldn't have gotten through the test phase. And that, in a way, is how I view Twitter. Now, the same people who are saying that, oh, we cannot trust people with unfiltered free speech, it's going to turn into a cesspool of racism and misinformation, are probably the same people who think we can't let people fill their shopping carts with cereal. It's just, The store's going to go out of business because everybody's going to steal everything. When, in reality, most people are good. Most people will pay for what they buy. And most people, if you let them talk, are reasonable and smart and are just good-natured in general. It's a and Luke Bryan song. You know what? Uh, that take... You won't find on CNN because it's not the uh, it's it's apparently not the doom and gloom hot no. take of the day. You don't want to go to that party, Brian. But <laughs> I, I was just overwhelmed with the amount of uh, doomsdayers on. Tw- it was like net neutrality 2.0. Remember when we were all going to die because uh, net neutrality ended, Joe? You probably don't because no, it's just I- been sunk down the map. But for a whole three months, that's all anybody said. The world as we know it is coming to an end. Well, guess what? It didn't. It didn't. And it's not going to now. No. Um, however, the world as we know it may come to an end because Joe Beamer is about to take over for yeah. four straight hours here on WBEN. That's right. Anything could happen. <laughs> he's in for David Bellavia, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun with him. Um, and he's talking about a lot of the same things. So if you called in or uh, you're over uh, about to send a text don't hesitate and yeah. uh, let it rip 8030930 cuz Joe Beamer's coming up next after the news on WBEM we really need new phones T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month new iPhone 15s it's better over here. only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 